The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. The sermon today was preached by Elder Craig Blair, pastor of Tuscaloosa Primitive Baptist Church, on the fifth Sunday night of May 2022. In this sermon, the first half of which I'm posting today, Brother Craig reminds us that there's a certain attire we need when we labor in the kingdom. In this sermon, he calls this attire gardening clothes. I hope you'll stick with us through this sermon and the conclusion tomorrow, because it's a wonderful exposition of what we need in order to prosper in the kingdom of God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. If you have your Bibles with you, and I certainly hope that you do, um, 
I'd like to begin some thoughts of this evening in the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. You know, we, as old Baptists, we spend a lot of time in the book of Romans. I find a lot of times we don't get as far as the 13th right. or 14th chapter very often. And there's a lot of wonderful things as Paul gives this great discourse of doctrine in, in the book of Romans. In the 11th verse, we'd like to begin there. And I don't plan to spend most of the time there, but I'd like to use this as a a way to get somewhere else. He begins in the 11th verse after this wonderful long discourse that we see in the book of Romans says, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and in wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I believe Paul makes a central point here in that 11th verse. He emphasizes it, brings it out some of the next two, and then he draws a conclusion instructions to us there in the 14th. But to as he began, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. And I think there are a few that are probably here old enough, and maybe even some of the young ones, got an understanding about when it's high time. I remember as a child, we would be playing outside during the summer, and get close to dark, and you'd hear mother call us to come in. A lot of times we'd just keep playing. And she'd call again, and we'd keep playing. And then daddy would call. We knew then it was high time. It wasn't just time, it was high time. And Paul says it is high time to awake out of sleep. Now, it wouldn't be wrong to use this and even to frame some reference to the place this country is in. Or to, to, to use as an example of some impending calamity that to be avoided it's time to wake up and take some action. It'd be okay if you used it that way. I don't believe that's how Paul intended this. And Paul gives us an expression of some people that should realize now that, it, that it's time to awake, that there's some things for them to do. And he says, he says, for now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. And that word near, you can take the Greek word that's translated. It could, be, could mean near in terms of time and could be near in terms of position and place. And clearly, brothers and sisters, I believe every day that passes, then we're near that day of our salvation, that near that we can realize that promise that was given to that thief on the cross, that this day we'll be with him in paradise. That day's coming, and every day you're a day closer to that. But see, Paul has talked at length and taught wonderful things to the church at Rome. He's expressed such a great truth to them, things that should give them a strong foundation and encouragement and hope, some things that should stir them up when they realize what God has done for them. Their salvation should have been near in position. You know, brothers and sisters, I hope that, that today, as a disciple of Christ, your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. Amen. When you first came down here and asked the church to take you as a poor, wretched sinner in amongst them. I hope, brothers and sisters, that it's so near that you can lay holds on it. Because <laughs> that's when it's really going to do you a lot of God. When it's, when it's so close, you can see it clearly. Amen. Paul's talking about some people that said, it's high time to wake out of sleep. And he, he describes the condition they had been in before. 
A lot of God's children have walked around in darkness, but once they understand the truth and the gospel, they just, I believe you all have this evening, then it's high time for you to wake out of sleep. There's so many of God's children, you know, we see them uh, you know, living in a college town. Uh, it's not unusual to go to the grocery store and you see somebody walking around in their pajamas shopping. You know, the young ladies, they'll have their cap on usually or their hair in a ponytail. They probably don't have any. I see some people smiling, baby. You've done that too, right? <laughs> I can tell. You know, the guys would just be there and whatever they woke up in, their hair sticking all out. But you can tell, you know, that they're dressed for sleep. They're not dressed for the day. Paul's telling us to the people, you need to wake out. It's high time for you to wake out of sleep. It's high time for us as the children of God come to an understanding of the truth and the good things that this dear brother prayed in his, his prayer for us to, to wake out of sleep Amen. and to do what? To put on Christ. Amen. To put on Christ. What did he mean by that? Well, if you'll last a little time this evening, I want you to think about wearing some garments. I want you to talk, think a little bit about the kingdom wardrobe that the Lord has given to you now. You know, garments are important. They tell you a lot about somebody, what they're dressed to do. When I see someone wandering around in, in pajamas, they're not, they're not dressed to do very much. You know, garments are important. You know, Adam and Eve, when they came in, when God made them in the garden, they didn't need any garments, did they? After they broke God's law, we saw the first pair of britches. And that's when they made themselves fig leaves as a covering. Not long after that, God gave them something else. He gave them the skins of animals as they were banished out of that place. Pointing to the time when there would be a, an offering by blood that would provide some clothing. That first man, Adam, was naked when he was in the garden. You know, that second man, Adam, took care of the sin of the first man, Adam, when he was naked on the cross at Calvary. There's nothing that hid him, nothing that covered him. He was there bare before all and particularly before his father. Amen. The Bible teaches us about some very special garments that the high priest wore, pointing in some beautiful ways to, to that which would be accomplished on Calvary by our high priest, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But, you know, we don't want to talk about any of those this evening. We'll talk about some kingdom garments. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about some things that you need to wear when you're going out there in the world. The whole armor of God. You know, that's not the armor of Saul now. Let's just get me straight about that. That's the whole armor of God. And you're going to need that out there because the old devil reigns freely out there. We shouldn't have to convince anyone of that. You know, there's things that he can't touch. As the Lord told him about Job, you can afflict him in all manner, but you can't touch his life. Your life eternally is hid in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's secure there. You don't need to be concerned about that. But I'll tell you, God has given you some things to wear when you're out there in the world. When you face that old demon, that, that great opponent that we have, that is the devil himself. And you better believe that he's real if there's any doubt in your mind. This is not just some concept. This isn't something that's hypothetical. He's real, brothers and sisters. And he's a liar, the very first one of those. He's deceptive, always has been and will be. He's one that can take the truth and change just a little bit. And you know when you change just a little bit of truth, what have you got? You got a lie. That's what you got. 
But I don't want to talk about that armor tonight. You know, he's given you some garments to wear when you come in to worship and praise him. There's some wedding garments that he's given you. What glorious things they are. And therefore, you know, I believe as we gather in this place, brothers and sisters, I'll be a little careful of this, but I, I don't believe we have to have the armor on quite so much when we're in here, do we? We've got some different garments to wear in here. When we come in as the assembly of the saints, in this wonderful refuge that we have that is the kingdom of God in the church, where we can gather together and sing praises to his name and go to him in prayer and hear the gospel preached and have fellowship one with the other in fellowship with him. When he comes down among us, I believe, Brother Tim, we kind of let our guard down a little bit and the, and the garments, we don't wear those garments that, that give him all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. You can go to Matthew 22 and... You know, it talks about a parable of the great wedding feast that they were invited into. We'll not spend a lot of time on that, but you know, there's one man came in and what was wrong? What was the problem? He didn't have on the wedding garments. I think he wore those things that Christ teaches about in Matthew 23, 5, about those, those garments that those Pharisees like to wear with their phylacteries and the hems of their garment broaden. They like people to look at them and hold up their selves. And, you know, we come in to worship him holding up our righteousness to obligate God and to, to speak about all the things that we've done. Uh, you know, I can tell you, brothers and sisters, we're going to have that same response. Now, Christ did address him in a beautiful way. And I'm glad he said that, Brother Joe. Amen. He called him friend. Amen. That tells me a whole lot. You know, Jesus could say a whole lot with just one word, can't he? Friend. He's given us wedding garments to come and to praise him for his sovereign grace, for the love that was given to you and I before the foundation. What a glorious thing that is. You know, I wish I could wear that more than I have to wear that armor. But I can tell you what, it seemed like that armor, that armor, you need to use that a lot, brothers and sisters. And you need to know where it is. Wedding garments. But I don't want to talk about wedding garments. You know, we see in the scriptures many times that God talks about this kingdom. His church has been a vineyard. I want to talk a little bit about some clothes you wear in the garden. You know, as part of my retirement now, I've got time that I, I'm spending in the garden. It's a glorious thing. It is. You know, I understand why it seems like farmers are just a lot closer to the Lord than a lot of other people. Yeah. You know, I think they have a, a stronger sense of their dependency on God's grace, day-to-day -day living. But there's wonderful things, and I tell you, you know, I don't wear this when I go to the garden. You know, when we're in the kingdom, we think about in our lives and our toil and our labor. Here in the vineyard of my Lord, I love to live and labor. There's labor in the kingdom, brothers and sisters. There is. You know, and it's interesting in that what we see in working within the kingdom is a little bit of the world. You're not of the world, but you're in the world. It's a little bit of the praise. It kind of combines those two brothers and sisters into some very specific things that we wear when we're working in the kingdom. You know, I enjoy getting up when, when my wife sees me leave. I'll tell you what, not just even my wife. You know, we got three dogs. And they're dogs. I'm not confused. They're not people. <laughs> Some people get confused about that. But I tell you what, when they see me through the glass, as they're hanging out on the back porch and they're looking at me on a Saturday morning, 
and I got a hat on, and I got my blue jeans on, and I, you know, they can tell. So when I'm walking out, they know we're going to the garden. They're happy about that. They can tell when we're going to church. They don't get excited about that because they know they're not going. <laughs> they can tell by what I wear. Kingdom clothes. Put on Christ. You know, in all these things that the Lord instructs us to do, he's given us the first example, the great example, the best example, which is himself. Amen. Let's turn to, the book, to Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. Let's to Colossians chapter 3. In the early parts of this chapter, he well, it begins with a very a wonderful instruction. If ye then be, in, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So he qualifies some things. If ye not be risen with Christ, you don't need to worry about anything else. And that's it. And he goes down there and talks first about some things that you've got to put off. Put off those things of the old man. You know, when Jesus Christ spoke that living word to Lazarus who'd been dead four days in the tomb. You know, those apostles, they couldn't do a thing with Lazarus, could they? When he was in that tomb, he was beyond their power. When Jesus gave him that command, and you know, it wasn't an imitation. I'm sorry to tell you. It wasn't the beginning of a dialogue. It was not something where there was a consent arrived at between him and Lazarus. It was a command you know, you're going to hear that same voice at the end of time. When he draws us a world to close, there's going to be a shout. And just let me know, I believe he's going to shout the names of every one of his children. You're going to hear him call you, and you're going to come forth, just like Lazarus did. But see, when he came forth, he came forth in a condition that those apostles there could now do some good, right? When he came forth in those grave clothes, the commandment to those apostles, now you loose him, and you set him free. You tell him about putting off some of that old man clothing, those things that were part of his, you know, that are still part of his nature. He's got to work. He's got to put those things off. And he says, I want you to put on the new man. And he gives us a description, beginning in Colossians 3 and 12. I'm just going to call them gardening clothes. You can call them whatever you want. They're work clothes. They're for working in the kingdom. And since I'm retired, I guess the work that I do now is in the garden. So maybe that's why I'm using it. It begins in Colossians 3 and 12. Put on, therefore. Put on. That's something for you to do. You know, when you were just a babe, mom dressed you. Maybe dad dressed you. Usually mom, I expect. But now's the time for some things for you to put on. He's talking to some some mature Christian. Because it says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God... Again, that's who it's to. I tell you, brother and sister, if you haven't been risen with Christ, you're not one of the elect of God, then this isn't to you. But if you're elect of God, risen with Christ Jesus, he's talking to people that have the ability to, to put on some things so that their appearance, so that their image starts to bear some resemblance to who? To their Savior. Amen. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you really want? You know, this world is, is filled with name and image and likeness. You know, we just... So many people, they really realize that the image that they're carrying out, they ought to be ashamed of it. Amen, Adam and Eve were born and made or created, not born in the image of God. And don't go to thinking God has two arms and two legs. He's a spirit. A little later in Genesis tells us that 
the children of Adam were born in the image of Adam. So that's who our image is by nature. But he's talking about some people. He's giving them instructions to put on some clothes. I believe these are instructions for those for us working in the kingdom. That armor's for out there fighting the old devil out in the world. And I can tell you that's a wonderful armor. And it's been tested. It's been tried. It's been proven. You can rely upon that. You know, that will give you a believer's worldview that everything that you've seen and encounter in this world, you can put it in context. Isn't that a glorious thing to have? Isn't it wonderful? He's given us clothes to come in here and to sing praises to his name. Tendered our hearts. Given us voices to praise him. Given us the wonderful scripture to be preached to. But work clothes. Put on therefore as the elect of God... Holy and beloved. So he tells you something right there, brothers and sisters. He's talking to someone who's got something holy inside of you. That Holy Spirit that came and quickened you from a dead state of sin to life in Christ Jesus. There's some righteousness in you that is not your own. And beloved. Beloved of the Father. Beloved before the foundation of the world. Loved in such a... What a wonderful thing John threw in. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we might be called the children of God. What a glorious thing it is when we consider in our little finite minds that you are beloved of God. What a, what a, what a miracle that is. What an amazing thing. That God looked at you individually and he knew you individually. He knew you as the sinner that we are by nature. This holy and sovereign God and yet despite that, he loved you. He chose you in that you became an object of his love. And I believe, brothers and sisters, that the, yeah, I use the word moment because we're constrained by time. But before the foundation of the world, when God loved you, whatever was required for you to live with him in glory was going to be provided by God. Amen. At that moment in time, brothers and sisters, there was, there was no uncertainty that you would live with him in glory forever. Amen. Whatever was required. Oh, it was a great thing was required. He loved you enough that he asked his only begotten son to come into this world. What a wonderful world it is, isn't it? And Jesus condescended to come into this world, was made lower than the angels for the suffering of death and the death on the cross. Holy and beloved. Put on therefore, so he's telling us that because you've been chosen by God, because you understand that he's quickened you and that you have been loved by God because of these things. Put on therefore. You know, you should put on these things because of what he did. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And he lists a few things for you to dress yourself with when it's time to work in the kingdom. You know, I'm glad you're sitting down. You may be shocked about this. The day you joined the church did not make you perfect. <laughs> it didn't make the person sitting next to you on the bench perfect. Or before or behind. We are imperfect creatures, brothers and sisters. And the miracle to come together in a church body and live together and grow together and, and prosper in spiritual things and to honor him and worship him and have lives as disciples, to, to do all these things that are required in this kingdom, to honor and glorify God requires some things, doesn't it? First he says, put on bowels of mercies. Well, let's just read these. Bowels of mercies, kindness, 
humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. I think, interestingly enough, if we look at these things, brothers and sisters, it seems to me to be a pairing. This isn't a pairing necessarily like we see in Proverbs so much, but if we look at this, first thing he says, right out of the gate, bowels of mercies, that you know, we might have a spirit of sympathy and compassion. You know, that's something that comes from within. Amen. That comes from something from within, within our heart. You know, even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I said even, above all, in the best it could ever be. He said, he, you know, we, we have not a high priest who cannot, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard it before. That's a double negative. I had an English teacher would have popped you if you came out with that. We have a high priest who can be touched with what with the feelings of our infirmities. And brothers and sisters, as we labor in this kingdom that we might prize and we might strive for and we might pray, brothers and sisters, that we have a heart of sympathy and a heart of compassion. You know, we're taught that as members of this body, when one hurts, what should the others do? We ought to hurt too. We ought to feel these things. We ought to have compassion. As our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, oh, what a compassionate one. Even wept when he saw the sorrow of those sisters that he loved at the death of their brother Lazarus. Compassion, sympathy towards our brothers and sisters in the kingdom. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.